0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you feeling? Feeling good? Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's going to be a good day this morning. If you would, please, open with me in your Bibles to your favorite book. Leviticus. Leviticus. Yeah. It's everybody's favorite book, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Leviticus. No, no. It's not in that order. So, uh, the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, if you would, please. Leviticus, 25, this book that... I actually think is pretty awesome, lots of cool stuff in here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Sabbath and the year of Jubilee, and it starts in chapter 25. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. So, wow. Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said, said to him, Uh, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself must obey a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seven years. Seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. Like, how many of you here get, like, a day off? Like, from work you get a day off. Like, how would you like a year off? Have a Sabbath, a complete year of rest. Like, oh yeah, now you're glad you came to church this morning, right? All right. Uh, It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from your unpruned vine. The land must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the land produces and its own during its Sabbath This applies to you, to your male and your female servants, to your hired workers, to the temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and your wild animals and your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then, on the Day of Atonement... On the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, as a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belongs to your ancestors and return to its own clan. Now, let's skip down to verse 18. Now, if you want to live securely in this land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Then the land will yield large crops and you will eat your fill and live securely in it. But you might ask this, what will we eat during the seventh year since we are not allowed to plant or harvest any crops that year? Be assured that I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year. So that land will produce a a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, you will still be eating from the large crop of the sixth year. In fact, you will still be eating from that large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year. In other words, that's going to be a really big crop. The land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. With every purchase of land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. I think that's all I put on there. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, that's it. So, how many of you in here have ever heard about this year of Jubilee? This year of, like, it's just awesome, right? Like, you even you hear the word. Jubilee. It just sounds good. Man, Jubilee and, and uh, huh? Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get to the gummy bears from out. Gummy bears are good. I should have passed out gummy bears. That would have been the perfect sermon illustration. Man, too late. So, no gummy bears for you. Yeah. But like you heard about this Jubilee and, and there's this instant there's this association with the blessing, right? The blessing, the favor, the abundance. Like, we read that last part uh, of this portion of scripture, and man, the crops are going to be so big that what you plant in the sixth year, you're going to eat in the seventh year, in the eighth year, even at the beginning of the ninth year. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And we hear this, and we're just like excited. The preacher preaches the sermon. We go home excited. I mean, we're, we, just, we check our bank account just to see if God deposited more money in it. You know, like, you know, like, do I have more gas in my tank? You know, it's just awesome. It's going to be a year of jubilee. Like, like, whatever you made, like, all right, you know, you made $50,000, you're going to make $150,000. It's going to be three times what you made. Like, you've got one big old turkey dinner ready, you're going to have three big old turkey dinners ready. Like, and that's kind of like our idea a little bit about this year of jubilee. It's just this favor, this blessing, and it's going to be just it's Labor Day on steroids, right? It's like, oh, that Labor Day weekend, it's like, oh, yes, a three-day weekend, an extra day off. But it's like a whole year of this, a year of Labor Day weekends. It's awesome. And, and But the thing is, like, that's not the whole story. Like, that's, like, the end part that we read, and we kind of forget some of the first part, right? So um, my daughter, Kobe, is this amazing amazing little girl and she is getting ready to turn five years old and we figured you know it's time for her to start learning a few little things around the house it's time for her to, you know learn some chores you need to pick up your room you need to do all these things and so uh one of the things that we have with with my daughters is I- if they do something they'll get like a little treat and oftentimes it's a little gummy bear or uh it's not the bears anymore sometimes it's like the frozen gummy uh from that tv show frozen so there's like olaf and all these other disney characters and uh like they just love these little gummies and uh reese our little one she's in the middle of potty training and so like if you go big girl potty you get a gummy if you go big girl potty do not pee your pants please child you know but if you do it you'll get a gummy and and so, Kobe, this one day, I said, Kobe, baby, you've made, made a good mess here. This is a good-sized mess. But listen, if you clean up this mess, daddy's going to give you three gummies. Not just one. You're going to get three gummies if you clean up this mess. And to which, Kobe is now excited. Yes, I'm going to get three gummies. This is three times my normal amount. It's awesome. And she goes off and she tells her mom, Mom, guess what? And Daddy's gonna give me three gummy bears. Hey Reese Reesey, ha <laughs> I'm gonna get three gummy bears. And she's so happy and like she's loving it. And some time goes by and next thing I know she's she's kind of off doing something else. And later, Daddy, where are my gummy bears? Kobe, how come you didn't clean up your mess? You didn't clean up your mess? No gummy bears. See, there was kind of like there was a prerequisite to getting this. And, and, and sometimes, like, when we talk about the year of Jubilee, we get really excited. And the, and, and the idea uh, of, of, of us getting our gummy bears gets us like, yes. But there's a prerequisite to this thing. Uh, so let's, let me set up the context of the scripture that we just read. This is, this is given to a people at a time in their life that they have been slaves for 400 years. Their dads were slaves. Their grandfathers were slaves. Their great-great-grandfathers were slaves. All they've known is slavery. They've known that, man, there's this promise, and and there's these things that God has for us, but they've come out of this slavery. Moses has uh, uh, led them out, and they are in the wilderness, Moses is on Mount Sinai he's getting these different instructions from them uh, and they have this clear understanding of where they've going where they're going God is taking them out of Egypt and into their promised land and they have to take the promised land but there's a problem there's giants in this land and we guys some of us know the story they see these giants they get afraid The bible even says listen uh there's giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes and so they find themselves wandering in the wilderness doing these laps around the mountain knowing exactly what god's told them to do but they're just too afraid to do it and they have this promise from god And the very first thing, when God starts talking about this land in the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee, he says this. And when, and when you enter your land. So in other words, all of this that we're about to talk about, the prerequisite is this. When you enter the land. When you do that thing that I've commanded you to do. When you finally obey me, then... This is what you're supposed to do. Uh, And here's what I've learned about God. It doesn't matter how much time goes by. Like, you can't move on to the next thing until you've done the last thing. And here's a generation that's finding themselves dying in the wilderness, and God has to raise up a whole new generation who will go in and take the land. Because his word hasn't changed. You still got to go in and take that land. It doesn't matter that there's giants. It doesn't matter that it looks like on the outside you think you're going to lose. Like, this is what I've told you to do. And you can't do the next thing until you've done this thing. And the same thing is true with all of our lives. And, and God gives us a, a promise. God's put something deep down in our, our spirit. And, and there's, the, there's this an excitement, but, but there's also a prerequisite. There's, listen, I, 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 this is what's going to happen, but first you need to know what it's like to forgive. You need to forgive that person that you're holding hostage in your heart right now. That person that's hurt you so bad, you need to forgive them. And when you enter your land, when you enter your promise, when you step away from that, when you stop doing that, when you enter into that, that thing that God's telling you to do, that thing that God's telling you to stop doing, and see, like we like to put it off, and we just think that well, if time, if enough time goes by, and I do enough good deeds, and like if I pray enough, and like it'll be okay, like no, 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 it doesn't work that way. See, all of this stuff that we're talking about, the the blessing and the fruitful crops and everything that God wants to do, and and, and the rest for the land. God says first, first and foremost, and when you enter the land, see there's this rhythm, and there's this pattern, and this flow to God. And uh, we, we read even the scripture, and says, listen, there's, there's going to be seven years, and, and six years you're going to plant, and then in the seventh year the land is going to rest, and then there's going to be seven years of this, seven times seven. And so like there's going to be this completion, and then this is what's going to happen. There's going to be this year of jubilee there's this pattern there's six and then there's rest and then there's stop and and then there's work again and then there's rest and then we'll do this seven times and seven and then and it's this rhythm and there's flow and see one of the healthiest things that you can do in your life is to begin to learn the rhythms and the flows of your maker the rhythms and the flows of god because there's a rhythm and a flow to everything there's high tides and low tides there's full moons, and half moons, and quarter moons, and that little sliver of a moon, you know, that pops out every once in a while, and there's this flow, there's, 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 and, and there's a season, and there's a, uh, Ecclesiastes talks about there's a time to embrace, and a time to cease from embracing, and, and, and there's, well, there's summer, and then there's winter, and, and even though it doesn't feel like it at this time, winter will come. <laughs> it will get cold one day here, at some point for these 100 degree days. Like there's this flow and there's this rhythm. When we, when we open up the scriptures, uh, it's kind of amazing that the very first thing that we read in the scriptures, Genesis 1, is a poem. Genesis 1 is an ancient Hebrew poem in which there's, if you read it, there's a certain rhythm. There's a certain flow and there was evening and morning the first day and evening and morning the second day last week when we read psalms 119 there's a rhythm there's a flow there's poetry to this thing and, and, and the reason why i think god does this sometimes is because when we when there's a certain rhythm and we catch that rhythm and catch that flow we memorize things a lot more easily See, we could start singing a song that you heard 20 years ago and all of a sudden out of nowhere you begin to remember the words You know that moment where you turn on the radio, I haven't heard the song in forever, but then something clicks and you can remember the words of that song. And it's interesting that the Bible starts off with this rhythm, this flow, and this is what it should look like. It's creation process, evening and morning. And and here's what's kind of amazing about this creation process, is even from the beginning, uh, the, the first, primarily the first half of creation is this separating God separating well heavens and, and earth and, and land and sea and, and light and darkness and, and, and the day we'll call light and, and lightness and for the day and darkness for the night and, and there's this separating and then the last half of creation is a filling. He puts birds in the air, he puts fish in the sea, he puts man and animals on the ground, and so this, there's this flow, there's this creation, and then there's this separation, and then there's this filling. And if you look at your own life, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll find this pattern at work over and There's this creation. There's this, this, this you. And then God says, well, well, come out from among them and be ye separate. And there's a separating. There's, there's a giving your life over to God and something's changed. And then God begins to fill you with his presence. There's a creation. There's a, a separation. There is a filling. if you look here at this group of people, there is a promise to them. Then there's a separation. First, I've got to get you out of Egypt. I've got to get you to this place. And then there's going to be a filling. And when you enter into that place, this is what it's going to look like. This is how your crops are going to be. And there's this pattern and this flow to all of creation. But here's what's amazing. This pattern, this flow of God, the thing that it revolves around is rest. It's rest. Everything revolves around this concept and this idea of rest. From the very beginning, from Genesis 1, where God's creating, and then the seventh day, and he rested. And when you enter this land, you're going to work for six, but then you're going to learn how to rest. You're going to learn how to rest. And when you don't know how to rest, it throws everything else off. It throws everything else off. I've said this quote quite often. It says, you can't truly risk for God until you've learned to rest in God. You can't risk for God until you've learned to rest in God. Now, here's the thing. Like, this concept and this idea of rest, and we can look at it, and we can see it in the scriptures, and we can see what God's doing from the beginning. We can see what God's doing in the land. We can see what he's doing with us with with taking Sabbaths and taking rest and bringing it over to him. And we love the idea of it, but practically, it is the scariest thing possible. Because it means this, it means now my work and everything is now basically resting on the shoulders of God. And now think about this for a moment. Listen to what God is asking his people to do. When you enter this land, you're going to work it. You're going to produce these crops, and you're going to have these crops, and you're going to have the fill, and and then this year, don't worry, because I'm going to produce so much in this year, but you're not going to plant anything. You're not going to plant anything or store up anything in the seventh year. Now, this is a people, they don't have Walmart. They don't have Amazon.com. They don't have Food Lion. They don't run to the grocery store to get their groceries. If they don't plant crops, they don't eat you wait a minute hold on god you're telling me like don't plant these crops if i don't do this i'm not gonna eat if i don't go to work i can't pay the bills right and like that's in with all of us this is is a simple mathematical equation what are you saying god And, and this is absolutely the scariest thing you could do is learning to rest in god learning to realize that the world doesn't rest on your shoulders And that it's outside of your hands. And God's saying, listen, this is a certain pattern. This is a certain flow that means your dependency upon me. See, because those moments in our life where we actually have to be dependent on God, for the most part, like, there's the rare occasional person that's like, yes! But for the rest of us, it's super, super scary. It's like, God, if you don't come through... (laughs) there's no way it if you don't do this i i i don't know how we're, how it's going to be done and when you're at those moments and god says if i was those people like i would just have this conversation god do you realize what you're asking us to do do you realize what you're saying like don't plant these crops don't gather don't store like other places you tell us to plant, other places you tell us to gather and stuff. Like, hold on, wait a second. This, like, I will try and do everything, I, every little bit of Bible Kung Fu to try to get God to change his mind. Seriously, God, maybe we could just plant smaller crops. Like, no, no, And like, God says, no, no, there's, there's this thing that I'm trying to get in you. And it means you learning to be dependent upon me. It means you learning to be dependent on, upon me and not your own labor. 'Cause deep down you believe that you could fix things. Deep down you believe that you could work hard enough, that you could even pray hard enough, or that you can you could do whatever it is to appease that lack in your life. And God said, No, 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 don't do any of that. Just be dependent upon me. And what we find ourselves is, well, kind of like Kobe saying, But God, where are my gummy bears? But hold on, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I go to church. uh, I I read my Bible. I do all these things. And God says, Yeah, and when you enter the land, and when you're obedient to that thing that I've told you to do, and when you begin to participate in the flow and the pattern and the rhythm of God, something is going to happen. Creation itself, again, Genesis one. I keep coming back to that. Uh, Imagine this the scene for a minute. God's done all this. He's established this pattern. He's made man. He's breathed life into him, and he's and then he's given Adam this vision. He's given Adam a vision and a calling. Listen, this this is your garden. Be fruitful and multiply. You're going to do all of these things, and and if if you're Adam, you're pumped up at this point. Like yes. Like, look at God's, he's stacked the deck. He's got everything laid out. Everything is wonderful and and beautiful. And God, this is amazing. I've got all of this work to do. He's ready to go. He wakes up in the morning. It's his first day on the job. And you know what Jesus says? You know what the Father says? Take a day off. It's the seventh day. Rest. And you will... If you want to know why I believe that God does this, because he's trying to get something in us from the very beginning. Like, yes, I've given you a vision. Yes, I've given you a call. Yes, there's things that you've got to do. But in order to fulfill this vision, in order to fulfill this call, it has to come from a place of rest. It has to come from a place of knowing that this thing doesn't rest on your shoulders. It has to come from a place that you know deep down, at, even with all of these things that you got to do, first and foremost, you were created for my good pleasure. God saying, first and foremost, you're just my son. And just to be with me, let's take the day off. Yeah, you got all this work to do. And everything's even perfect at this point. Let's just rest. Just rest in me. When Jesus was baptized, there's this amazing part where where John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and he comes up and there's this voice from heaven. And you know what it says? It says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You want to know what's so amazing about this? As this happens at about the age of 30 for Jesus, you know what Jesus has done up to this point? nothing he's simply been a son he's simply been a son and god says and i'm well pleased see all the miracles haven't happened yet there's, there's been no cross there's been no resurrection yet there's been no healing and blind eyes open yet. He hasn't preached the sermon on the mountain yet. He hasn't, there hasn't been large amounts of crowds around him and, and all these people talking about Jesus. Like none of this has happened yet. And yet the father says, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. See, I think Jesus operated from a place of rest. Jesus operated from a rest and knowing that, listen, I could face the cross because I know who my father is. And I know, I know. Whenever he says to do, I, I'm just, I'm just completely in him. And first and foremost, I'm created for his good pleasure. Do you know that about yourself this morning? That God is pleased with you. Yeah, you've got a vision, and you've got a dream, and all of the things that you want to do for God. And God just says, "Danny, you're my son." And I'm well pleased. Nikki, you're my daughter. And I love you. Michelle, I love you. Yeah, you're gonna do all of these things, and it's gonna be great. But first and foremost, just rest. Just take the day off. Just walk with me in the garden. Yeah, you're gonna enter this land, and, and all this is gonna happen, and you're gonna have to work the ground six days and all this. Is, there, there's gonna be some hard times, yeah. But but, but first and foremost, just rest. And, and and this promise, this year of jubilee. Sometimes we forget from the first and foremost, it's not it's not just a pattern and a rest from us that God has established here in the beginning in Genesis, but it's also a rest for the land itself. Like that, your work, like it's got to learn to rest too. Like the land, like from the curse, from the from the beginning, like 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 man, the ground wants to yield more strength than what it what it does right now. Your crops can be bigger than the seeds that you plant right now. Even from the begin- very beginning, it says, listen, and, th- and there was no rain on the land, so what the Lord do? He caused it to, to the water the plants and everything from underneath. And see, sometimes when we're going through life, and, and we look at the checkbook and we look at all these things and it doesn't add up and it doesn't, like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to bring my family back to you? How are you going to uh, help me with this this thing that keeps tripping me up in my life? And we're kind of looking and God says, I'm going to bring it up from underneath. I'm going to bring it up from a place that you're not even looking. Uh, I, from a place that even you don't even think that it comes from here, but, like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. Yeah, you've got a big garden. Yeah, you've got a lot to do, but just rest in me. Be content with just me. God's saying, be content with just me. Am I enough? Is Jesus enough? Because let me tell you, if Jesus is not enough, it doesn't matter how big the crop is. It doesn't matter what numbers in your bank account, what type of house you have, what type of car, what, how many people know your name, how much power, how much all of that stuff. If Jesus is en- enough, nothing, nothing, like everything else, wh- even when you get that thing that you've been chasing, it'll taste sour in your mouth. You know, one of the, the, the biggest pitfalls in life is to, to actually accomplish all those things that we want to do except for doing them without God. Chase, you know, that, that quote, that, you know, uh, climbing the ladder of success only to get to the top and realize you're on the wrong building. You know, we've been there. You've been there. I've been there. Come on, we've done it. Man, when I get this, when I get this, then I will be happy. When I marry this girl, when I marry this man, when this happens, then, then the year of Jubilee, and God says, mm, not so much. Not so much. You thought she was going to, and then you woke up and, whoa. We didn't go to sleep. You didn't look like that. Come on now. Everybody thought it. If Jesus isn't enough, nothing else matters. Everything else is what I call chasing rainbows. You're chasing rainbows. And here's a little interesting fact about rainbows. Rainbows aren't bows at all. Rainbows are circles. And the only reason why you can't see the circle is because of the circumference of the earth and how it comes down from. Like there's actually, if you Google it, there's these uh, NASA pictures that they've taken from space and they've looked down and they've, they've shown the rainbows over there and it's this, this beautiful circle. You get to see the whole rainbow. And here's the thing about chasing rainbows though. Like we're taught that like there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And every, whenever we start chasing the pot of gold, we run in circles. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. And we find ourselves standing back, frustrated with God, saying, where's my gummy bears? God, but I've done all this. Where's the year of Jubilee? Where is the overflowing? Where is the, you're going to give me more. You're going to give me double for my trouble. You're going to... So much that I'm gonna be eating in the seventh year, in the eighth year, and the ninth year, and have And God says, Yeah, and when you enter the land and when you so like there's a prerequisite. I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. Maybe there's some people in here this morning and Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Lord Jesus, God, in, a, in our society that's just so filled with busyness, God, I, I repent for the times in which I've, I've tried to make it about me and I found myself not dependent upon you, God. Lord, my prayer this morning is that you would teach us all to enter into your pattern, to your flow, into your beautiful song, into your beautiful poem, and to teach us how to rest, God. May everything we do come from a place of rest and peace and joy in you, God. Knowing that we're not the ones in control, but God, you are. Lord, teach us to rest. Teach us what it is the Sabbath. Teach us how to take a day off, God. Teach us how to turn the phone off. Teach us how to stop answering the emails. Teach us to let a few things actually just fall apart, because we've been holding it up with our own strength. Teach us to rest, God. If you're in here and you've just you've been struggling, and God's just saying, take a day off. Yeah, I've given you this mission. I've given you this vision. There's all these things. that You're going to be fruitful. You're going to be multiply. But the first thing I want you to do, Adam, is just, just walk with me. Just walk with me. Just spend some time with me. Just get in the scriptures with me. Take a walk on the beach. Just pray with me. I love you. You're my child in whom I am well pleased. Please stand with me as we worship.
1: regrets and mistakes, come today, there's no reason to wait, Jesus is calling, bring your sorrows and trade them for joy, from the ashes anew.